Well, good morning. We are going to be in the book of Ephesians this morning, if you want to flip over there. Um, if you have a tough time figuring out where it's located, there are four Gospels that my little acronym, and I hope it's not sacrilegious, will change it. Uh, it's George Eats Popcorn. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, it was God Eats Popcorn, um, which maybe he does. I don't know. Um, anyways, as you're flipping over there, uh, so as I mentioned in past times before, I went to school for physical education and learned a lot. Um, a lot of people make fun of PE teachers, and I don't really understand the whole concept behind making fun of us. We are intelligent specimens um, because we solve a lot of life's problems. And also, when you get to be a PE teacher, you get to hear what to me might be the most refreshing sound that really there is. And that is the sound of a dodgeball thwopping off of the kid that just backtalked you. And it is a fantastic sound. And, uh, but one of the things that we learned whenever I was in PE is, or PE school um, is how to pick teams. Because this isn't an old school thing. They're getting kind of soft in today's age where no longer is it the captain-based team. But instead, now you have to come up with creative ways to choose teams. Because there was a problem whenever, like on the old playgrounds, you chose teams. And usually the way that it worked out is two kids, maybe the more like dominant athletes, whenever you were picking teams, spoke up. And they said, I call a captain. And then another was like, I get to be captain. And so those are your two captains. And then you would line everybody up in front of them, and they would go through and pick who they want to be on their team. Which if you were that number one overall draft pick, man, it made you feel amazing. But the problem is that as you're standing there, and you see this person get picked, and then you're like, wait a minute, I'm going to be picked over the kindergartner, and then you see them go in front of you, and then it's like, well, I'm not going to be picked after this person, and then you see them go, and gradually you realize there are two people left, you and somebody else, and you're just like, oh man, does it get any worse than this? And then you realize that other person got picked, and you are forced to be on this team, and they're like, well, I guess we'll take Andy, whatever. Yeah, you can stand over there and don't get in the way. And that's the problem that we had whenever picking teams, and it's not great for your self-esteem. And honestly, the reason that I open up with that is because it seems like we can get in that mindset with God, that it's like, okay, God chose me, but did he really have a choice? I mean, like, Jesus died on the cross so that all men could be saved, and I just happened to be that last person left, and now he has to do something with me, so he's gonna put me somewhere out there, and maybe it's all the way in the back where I don't get in the way and I don't mess anything up. Where we get in the, cons the mindset of, well, God chose me, but if he had to do it over again because I know how bad I have messed things up, he probably wouldn't want me again. He'd probably be like, actually, we're good running one man short instead of having you on our actual team. So go ahead, go find something else to do. We don't want you. And it, it's easy to get in that mindset. 
Because it is easy to let the lies and the self-doubt and all of the problems that we have ever experienced in our life and the shortcomings that we have ever had fill our mind and tell us you're not worth it. You're not good enough. You're, you, God made some mistake. Sure, he died for Paul, and he died for Peter, and he died for the apostles, but for little old screw-ups, for little podunk Kansans that aren't really ever going to make a big influence anywhere, did he really die for us? Not only did he really die for us, did he really choose us? And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks as we go through Ephesians, and we're just going to be seeing over and over, God is telling us, this is who you are. This is the identity that we have in Christ. But it's never going to be so that we can self-inflate ourselves and say, hey, yeah, I'm somebody. But always to point to who God is and why he is the way he is. And so we're starting this series on identity. And this is the quote that I've been just kind of wrestling with in my mind. It says, when you realize whose you are, you realize who you are. And when you realize who you are, then you are able to realize your purpose. When you realize whose you are, when you realize who you belong to, you find your identity in that. And then when you are able to truly understand I'm this, not because of anything I've done, but solely because of whose I am, that makes me somebody. And then you're able to realize your purpose, your calling, what you're here for. Because I feel like, honestly, in America especially, there is an identity crisis going on. Where even a lot of Christians are like, man, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And that's just in the church. Don't even look beyond the church because you're going to see so many people that are confused about so many things. And so we're going to look at who God says we are. And today is going to be the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 1, where God is going to tell us that we are chosen, and that we are chosen for a reason, and then also that we are chosen for a purpose. And so if you'll stand as we open up with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Father God, we thank you for who you are. And God, I just pray that as we get ready to just dive into what you are telling us we are, who you are telling us we are, God, may it just shift our identity to be found in you. And therefore, we see the calling that you have placed on our life. God, we just pray that you speak to us here this morning, in this moment. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. 
Thank you. So maybe a lot of you are like me where you are your biggest critic. I mean, I always struggled with this uh, playing sports growing up where you play a game and then after the game, you're not even thinking about, man, I did really good. But instead you're thinking of all the ways that you messed up. But there's something that is even a little worse than that for some athletes. It's the ride home. It's you already know everything you've done wrong, and then you know when you get in that car with your parents, the whole event is going to be played over. And they're going to tell you every little detail that you messed up. And again, sometimes it feels like God can be that way where we feel like God is just trying to get our attention so that he can run through our life with us and say, look at all the ways you're failing. Look at every instance that you have fallen short. Romans tells us for all have fallen short. And it seems like so many times we can believe the lie that tells us that's what God wants to do with us. You see, Andy, you didn't talk to this person this day. You see, Andy, you did not love your spouse unconditionally. You made an idol above me. You got mad at your dog and kicked her. I've never kicked, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, you know, you let words flow even though nobody was listening. Whatever it is, it's like, Andy, this are the, these are the ways that you are falling short. It feels like God is just ready to criticize us and tell us, and guilt creeps in. And it's easy to question, God, did you really mean it? Are you sure? Am I really chosen? Like, maybe you chose me even, like, hey, maybe I was your first string. Boy, I have not measured up to that. Don't you wish you could trade me? Don't you wish you weren't bound by the cross and you could send me back to where I came from? But here's the truth. God chose you, God chooses you, and he will continue to choose you, knowing everything that you have done, are doing, and ever will do. God has chosen you. If you feel God drawing you, if you feel the Holy Spirit working in your heart, if you feel that draw to, I need to be living for God, that is proof that God has chosen you and chooses you, regardless of what's happened, regardless of what you've done in the back or in the past, because God is love. Verse 4, it said, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, God chose you. If you're here, it's because you feel that drawing from God in some way. And that is God saying, I choose you. I want relationship with you. I want to call you to me. I am calling you to something beyond this world, to a higher calling. God chose you. You're not some third string Christian. You're not some God having his hands nailed to the cross and being like, dad, gum it. I didn't know they were going to be included in that. I really wish it wasn't them. But instead, God knew everything you were going to do. And he said, I'm going to choose them. My blood covers them. I want them on my team. 
God chose you. Even before the foundation of the world, it says, he is all-knowing, all-powerful. He knew everything that was going to happen, and he said, I want them. For while we were still weak, Romans tells us, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still against God, opposing God, playing for the other team, God chose you. While you were still flipping God the finger, saying, forget you and live in my life for you, God said, my son is going to give his life freely for you because I choose you. God saw the condition that you were in. And he said, my son is going to die so that we can redeem them and they can come and live for me. Matt Chandler, he's a pastor of the Village Church down in Dallas, Texas, and it's a really good-sized church. <coughs> Excuse me. I really enjoy listening to his preaching. And he had this one moment where he's talking about this time in his past before he was a pastor, and he invited this girl to go to church with him. Nothing romantic, just was trying to draw her to Jesus. And she had a rough past. She had slept around. She had uh, just given herself over to the world. And so Matt Chandler invited her. And during the sermon, the pastor pulls out a rose. And he's like, look at this rose. It's beautiful. Look at how colorful it is. Look at how just, it's a perfect rose. And then he said, here, everybody, take this rose. And everybody started passing the rose around the audience. And the pastor kept on talking. And after about five minutes, he said, where's my rose? And they finally brought the rose back up. And they gave him the rose, and it was broken over. It was missing petals. It, it was not beautiful. It was not perfect anymore. And then as uh, Chandler's up there, and he's like, man, I have no idea what this guy's about to say. The pastor says, look at this rose. Who would want this rose? It's broken. It's destroyed. It, it, it's almost worthless. Nobody would want this rose. And Chandler said his blood just started boiling inside of him because the whole point was being missed that Jesus wants that rose. That Jesus wants the broken. He wants the ones that cannot get their life together. He wants the ones who are just like so distraught that he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The whole point of the gospel is that Jesus came for those who could not save themselves. Not the perfect, not the beautiful, not the ones who think everything is right, but the ones who are broken. Mark chapter 2, verse 14, verse 17, I mean, it says, Jesus heard, it, and he said to them, those who have no need for a physician are not the ones who I have come, but for those who are sick. I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. I came to call the broken. I came to call you who don't have your life together, who cannot fix it on your own. The whole point of the gospel is that you cannot earn salvation on your own. And so Jesus chose you. So stop putting on the front that, yeah, I'm good. I got it all together. I'm living this life the way I need to. Because Jesus chose the broken, the needy, the sick. He came to choose the humble in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will see God. 
Notice nowhere in there in those Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 does it say blessed are those who have it all figured out. Blessed are those who are just living the great life, the American dream. But instead it says blessed are those who are so dependent on God. Blessed are those who hunger for God and hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who are meek, who are persecuted. Blessed are the broken. Blessed are the ones who see they need a Savior. And God came for those, for you. Not when you had it all figured out, but when you were broken. When you were against God, Christ died for you. Craig Rochelle, he says this quote in this book that I've been reading. It says, Our value is not based on how we feel about ourselves, but on what someone else will pay for us. That's why a Lamborghini might, might not impress you. That's why a Lamborghini that might not impress you is actually worth $300,000 because somebody's willing to pay that price. That's what it's worth. And if God paid the price of his only son for you, you have infinite value regardless of what other people think of you because God chose you. God desires you. God loves you. But he didn't just choose you to put you over here. He chose you to give you a purpose, and he chose you for a reason. As we talked about last week, you have been chosen to live a holy life. Verse 4, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should live holy and blameless before him. He chose you to set you apart for him. He chose you so that you would not continue living the destructive paths of this world that lead to death, but instead that he could call you out of that and set you aside for a holy and blameless life. He set you apart, 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You see, God chose you and he set you aside so that your lives may be lived for him. You've been chosen for a reason to live holy and blameless because he wants everything that you do to be done for him. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 1 Corinthians tells us whatever you do, whether eat or drinking or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Jesus has called you out and he says, live for me. You have been set aside for a reason to be holy and blameless. So that when people look at you, you're not living how the world is living. But instead, you're living how I called you to live. Because again, when you realize whose you are, you realize who you are. And when you realize who you are, you realize the purpose that you have in this life. When you realize that you are a child of God, you are chosen by him, you are set apart for him, then you see the reason of your life. 
to be set aside holy and pure. So many people, when they live life, and so many Christians are doing it too, we're living for the wrong reason. We're not finding our identity in Jesus. But instead, Netflix even has a documentary on it of parents trying to push their toddlers so far and so hard to get a big name for themselves in sports, in pageantry. It's like my name is going to be lived on through my child. We're finding our identity in our kids. So many men and women are devoting themselves to their careers thinking my name is going to be in this business. I'm going to live or work here for 40 years so that I can establish a name. And then when you retire and you get a plaque, my name is going to be in how much money I have. There's a lot of country songs about never seen a hearse with a trailer hitch. You don't get to take that stuff with you. Our identity is always going to fall short if it is not found in Jesus and when we find our identity in Jesus, we find our purpose for living. And we find value. We find our purpose in that we have been set apart. We, we have been chosen. We have chosen, been chosen to live holy and blameless. And the reason that we live holy and blameless is to glorify God. You see, when you are chosen, you don't get to call the shots. Whenever those captains were choosing the teams, it wasn't like, all right, you chose me, now I'm going to get tell everybody, you guard him, you guard him. Instead, the captains chose who you guarded. Just like that, when we are chosen by God, we don't call the shots. He calls the shots. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our commanding officer. Verse 5. It tells us, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The purpose that you have in your life is to glorify God. It's for everything that you do. As Colossians and Corinthians told us, everything is to give him the praise, to give him the glory. Because a lot of our struggles come down to who's Lord of your life. Are you Lord or is God Lord? Are you going to call the shots or is he going to call the shots? Who's sitting on the throne of your life? Because so often I want to be on the throne. I want to call the shots. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. And then it leads to destruction. Whereas God is saying, I have called you to live for my glory. Because just, just think of anything that doesn't work. Take a vacuum, for example. Don't know why, but we're running with it. Take a vacuum. If you have a vacuum that no longer sucks up dirt, what's it good for? What's it doing? You're just sitting there moving the dirt. When something is not doing what it is created for, it's broken. It's no longer fulfilling its purpose. When a Christian is not living to glorify God, that is a broken Christian not fulfilling the purpose that God has set you apart for. 
God has called you to live for his glory. So maybe the reason that you're not finding satisfaction in your job, your marriage, your social life is because you're not living to fulfill your purpose. Maybe it's because you're looking to those things to fulfill a purpose that they were never there to fulfill. You're looking to your job to find identity, and it's not giving you the identity that you want. And so it's like, man, must not be the right job. I'll go to another one until that one gives me identity, but that one's not gonna. Maybe you're looking for your spouse to fulfill everything or your kids to fulfill everything for you. And it's like, man, they are just as broken as I am. I know a lot of you don't have those spouses. I don't. She does. But maybe you're looking at that and like, man, they're broken too because they're not able to fulfill what you want them to fulfill. Only God can help you fulfill your purpose. When your identity is found only in him, when you glorify him, which that word glorify means to pretty much give him all the credit, all the praise, all the worship, lifting him up above everything else. And the reason that we do this falls at the end of verse four. Two words, in love. We glorify God, we live for God, we, we live holy and blameless lives for God because of his love for us. And therefore, when we realize why he chose us, why? I still don't know. Simply because of love. For God so loved the world in love, he predestined us. In love, he chose us. And so therefore, in love, we live holy and blameless lives for him. Because we realize he chose me not because of a single thing I've done, but solely because of who he is. The reason why we would set ourselves apart is because God loves you. And he chose you, and not because we deserve it. We're literally third-string Christians that God has called up to the big leagues because he equips us. Later on in Ephesians, it talks about the power that is wor at work within us. We're equipped not because of who we are, but because of who is inside of us. That's the only reason we have purpose, identity, anything is because of who God is. Yet God chose you. We reject ourselves daily. I do. So many conversations like, Andy, you are so dumb. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why did you react that way? I don't even want to choose myself half the time. Yet God chose me. And God chose you and has called you to live a life that glorifies him, that is holy and blameless. You see, God did not make a mistake. He never makes a mistake. If you have had the calling of the Holy Spirit in your life, that is God drawing you to him because Jesus tells us, nobody comes to me unless the Father draws him to me. So if you have given your life to Christ, it's not because you chose Christ, it's because Christ chose you and you responded in faith. But God chose you so that now you can walk in that, 
living for him, holy and blameless to the praise of his glorious grace. This week, find your identity in whose you are. Not in who, but in whose. You are chosen by God. Father God, thank you. Thank you for choosing us. And, and God, we're so undeserving of that. But yet, God, you, you chose me. You chose everybody that is hearing my voice and feeling the draw of your Holy Spirit. God, you gave your son so that the whole world could be saved. And as Timothy says, you desire that all men be saved. So God, may we find our identity. May we find our purpose in that. God, may we just live our lives in response to that as you call us to live. God, may you be glorified in everything. God, you're, you're doing a work in here. You're, you're calling us to step out in faith. You're calling us to give our lives over to you. You're calling us to various different things in this room. But God, may we respond in faith. And God, may you be glorified in everything. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this.